Hello, friends, and welcome to My Miniature Obsession Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Karf. This podcast is about all things miniature. We will explore the world of minis and all its raw talent, dedication, patience, and the new energy of this art form. Hear from miniature hobbyists and professionals from all over the world. We will gain a deeper insight into the creative processes that drive them. We will also explore what their biggest struggles are, their most devastating failures, and the most uplifting successes. I hope to encourage and inspire you in your miniature hobby, because even the ordinary become extraordinary in miniature. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode. You're probably thinking I ditched you and was never going to come back on here, but here I am. I actually took a vacation, a week-long vacation. It was amazing because I had I really didn't use my phone. I only worked very briefly for a few days. Otherwise, I was totally phone-free, computer-free, which is amazing. So we took me, uh, our family and another family, rented a big van, and we drove 24 hours straight south all the way down to Texas. It was a wonderful time. The weather, however, was it was warmer in here, up here in Wisconsin than it was down in Texas. Who would have figured? But we did get some good days on the beach, and so I'm very grateful for that. It was a great family time. But now I'm in the back swing of things and here to bring you another podcast episode. So a couple things happened in my world. I am really busy getting together a miniature subscription box. It will be a monthly box that will go out in the mail and it'll have featured artists, it'll have DIYs and then handmade goods. I'm really excited to bring that to you, but I will share more details in a couple of weeks. Another thing I've been working on is with members of my Facebook group, we are recreating the artist sync. So I mentioned this the last, um, maybe two episodes ago, but w- when I went to Nashville, I found a miniature shop and I fell in love with this little artist sink, but I didn't fell in love with the price tag. So we brought it back to the group and we are going to recreate it ourselves within the group. So we are in week number two, and it's just been so much fun. So if you want to get in on it, there's still time. Head over to Facebook and just type Mike Drop Miniature Club. Search for that. Ask to be asked to join, and I will let you in. So super fun. And I there's just so many talented people in that group, and we're all learning from each other, which is awesome. All right, so the episode I'm bringing you today is Ruth Stewart of Stewart Dollhouse Creations. I have to admit, I'm a little envious of Ruth. (laughs) Not only does she have a very successful business, but she has her whole family, even the kids, involved in this business. I think that would be really cool if my family was involved in my business. But then as I'm saying that, maybe it's a blessing that they're not too. I don't really know. But it sounds like Ruth and her family just thrive in this business together. So it was so fun to hear her story. And not only does Ruth have a craft room, kind of like me, but she has a whole building for her creations. So how amazing is that? I hope that you enjoy the conversation with Ruth. And as always, you can, I'll put her handle and a way to connect Ruth. But just in case, if you don't see that, you can see Ruth at StuartDollhouseCreations.com. So make sure to check out her creations. All right. And as, as always, if you loved this conversation, please snap a pic and share it to your Facebook or Instagram stories. I would be very grateful if you did that. And then tag me at Mic Drop Miniatures. And while you're on there, maybe just reach out. Let me know. Hey, listen to your episode. Love it. Hate it. I'd like any feedback that I could get. I only want to make this better for you. And then just let me know where in the world you're tuning in from. I'd love to hear, yeah, just where people are listening from. And also, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. So thank you again for tuning in. Until next time, happy creating. Goodbye. Yep, I'm recording, so all's good. Well, thank you for meeting me today, Ruth. I appreciate it. You're welcome. What were you going to say? 
how's your weather there? It's actually warming up. I live in Wisconsin and yeah, it's about probably 35 today. Oh, that's not bad. So you that's live in Montana and I wanted to ask you about that. My niece just moved out there. So I'm really excited to get out there, but she's like, please don't come in the winter, come in the summer or the fall. It's the best time. So where <laughs> do you live? Do you live near um, Great Falls at all? Yeah, actually we do. Is that where she moved to? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. We're 60 miles from Great Falls. Okay. So Great Falls is actually where we go most of the time for like doctor's visits and groceries and all of our errands are usually run in Great Falls. Oh, so you have to travel a long ways to get to. Like yep. A it's a two hour round trip. And it looks like you live like on a farm. Um, yep, we live on a ranch and we actually don't raise cows anymore. We did sell them about 10 years ago. Um, but for the first, uh, it was probably 11, 12 years that Dan and I were married, we did run cows and he grew up out here. So this is his homestead ranch. Okay. And that's where you grew up too, Montana? No, I actually was born in Nebraska. Okay. So I was born in Nebraska, lived in Idaho, Missouri, and then moved to Montana when I was nine because my mother's family is from Montana. Okay. So can you start us off? Let's talk some minis. I want to know, like, how did you get started in miniatures? And how long has it been? Um, well, it's been, I, I try to remember exactly when I started, and I think it was probably when I was about 22 or 23 and um, we'd been married, my husband and I, a couple years and my mother-in-law had, I don't even know how she got it, but she got a um, miniatures.com, the hobby builder supply catalog in the mail. And she gave it to me to look at and I looked at it and I started talking about my childhood to her and how much I loved dollhouses. When I was little, I had a little tiny old metal antique one that someone gave me that had metal tabs that fit together. I had a tiny little set of furniture, plastic furniture that I'd play with it. And then when my mother um, divorced my dad, that got left behind. And then I never had any sort of miniatures since that point. And I had told my mother-in-law that I always wanted one of the big, big, beautiful wooden dollhouses. And didn't know she was going to do it, but she actually bought me a kit that year for my birthday. Oh. And it was the um, uh, San Franciscan made by Durcraft, I believe. And it took me about a year to put together. My husband bought me a Dremel that year and all the accessories with the Dremel. And I was hooked after that. I do just you, couldn't stop. Do you still have that house? I do. Yep. I still do. And Sophia has really been enjoying playing with it, my daughter. And she's actually, yesterday, she started building her own first uh, one 12 scale dollhouse. Oh, so fun. she's pretty excited. Yeah. That was one of my questions because I have a six. A, well, I called her six again. She'll get really mad when I call her six. She's seven now. But I try <laughs> to get her involved in my miniatures. Is that. But I'm so such a perfectionist, you know, too, where it's like, oh, I gotta do it this way. Like, do you, so obviously your kids are involved with your creations. Very much so. Um, when before we built our shop, I used to have my work studio down in our basement in a one of the rooms down there. And from the time Sophia was born, she stayed down there in a bassinet with me and I would just keep her down there all day with me. And then she started getting a little bigger and she went from the bassinet to the playpen and she was in the playpen for about a year and a half. And then when she was about two, I about 18 months to two, I made a little tiny spot right next to my workstation that was about 12 inches big. And that's where she would work. She'd sit there on a little kid's chair and she would work right next to me every single day. She'd come down and play and she'd just make whatever she wanted to out of clay. Usually it involved clay. That was her thing. And she, you know, I'm a perfectionist too, so I really understand that. And sometimes you have to be really careful not to say, do it this way, honey. And, you know, probably me not doing that with her made her more creative, but 
it's also made her more independent. So if I do tell her things like, sweetie, read the directions, she'll be like, no, I'm fine. And then she'll realize later, oh, I should have read the directions. And I'm like, yeah, there's, there's a reason for directions in some cases. I know most people don't utilize them, but they come in handy. Yeah, they are, they're an important part, right? Exactly. And I, how do you deal with the mess? Like, so for her, she's, she is very creative, but she's also very messy. So when she's like in my space, my space because it's the only really space that we are in when we create oh that's hard for me too it's like let's you know those those work mats um that you can get really cheap at the dollar store that are like the cutting mats you can get two for a dollar i usually give those to the kids and they can paint do whatever they want on those things they learn to wash them up in the sink and then if you have you know if you're worried about getting clay on carpet or something i usually would put like a sheet underneath or a piece of paper like the big packing brown paper you get in boxes when you get Mm -hmm. shipments and that usually helps a little bit with the mess because kids are going to be messy. And I think you have to let them be messy. And that's how they learn. And it's good to teach them to clean it up and, you know, to continue. And then if next time they're messy, you say, hey, sweetie, if you do it this way, then you won't get your mess everywhere. And then you won't have as much to clean up. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> for sure. Well, she is so lucky because looking at your um, social media pages, you, you have a huge workshop and she probably has access to all these cool art supplies like she doesn't even know how lucky she is she she does yes and I tell them every day they're lucky yeah, yeah. Like that, <laughs> and paint, they, that paint thing you just built to organize all your paints the paint like, bot how many paints do you think you have like hundreds oh my goodness um probably more I I haven't even gotten them all on there yet the only ones that I even have organized right now are the ceram coat ones and the rest of them aren't even up there so but I do have two shelf um because the whole paint box is made out of crates and there's a shelf on each side that each of the kids get so Sophia has her own and she's turned it into her watercolor station um because I've been paying for watercolor classes online for her so she's actually got all of her little trays of watercolors and then she has a little spot for all of her watercolor papers and then when she's ready to paint she'll go over to the paint bot and get her stuff so 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 someday she'll probably take over your business you think I don't know you know it's one of those things that this really started as a hobby for me and it morphed into this business that I just had no idea it would ever become. And I think it's really going to depend on what she is interested in later. I don't want to pressure her into going into our business if she doesn't want to, but I definitely think there's certain aspects of it that she will flourish in. She loves to draw and paint and create and especially like she's started even working with 3d designing with my husband so there's certain aspects of it that she really really enjoys but as far as like uh the clay side of it like the cakes and stuff that i make she doesn't get into that as much she she used to do more clay stuff when she was little but she is by far more into the painting side of it she her painting is phenomenal she can just paint anything and even her drawings her painting 3d stuff everything she paints is just awesome gold yeah well, hopefully, she's good she'll, at it. hopefully she'll like the 3d printing aspect because that's a huge learning curve so tell her to do that part of it and then <laughs> yeah yeah then she can take over for dan later <laughs> yeah. so your husband's really involved in your business then he is. Um, yep. When we sold our cows, it was a very big decision as to what we would do because we sold them when we were, you know, very young in our 30s. And it's one of those things that, you know, when you're in your 30s and you retire from your job, what do you do? You need to find something to do. You can't just not work because, yeah. you know, you're inspired to do stuff. So we we thought about it and we thought, well, we could go into miniatures a little bit more. At that time, I dabbled in doing a few shows a year, but not many. 
Um, and then we decided, well, we could do that or we could do photography, which was another big interest of Dan's. And it in, just kind of morphed into the miniature side. And he still does his photography on the side when we're at shows and we're gone to places, but it definitely has, the miniatures have taken over. And him being involved in that, he does it full time with me. It's okay. his full time job as well. But he gets the electronic side of it and the techie side of it that I don't wish to figure out. <laughs> I'm, I do the computer stuff. I do the websites. You know, I update things. I do the social media. That's my computer expertise. The rest of it, I leave up to him. Yeah. He does all the laser cutting. He does all the design for that. He does all the 3D printing. He does all the design for our molds. Um, and then I pour the silicone molds. So it really is a, a joint effort. Mm -hmm. And then the kids are really involved in it now, too. They do a lot of packaging. Um, I do pay them for it just because I feel like their chores should not be paid and they have their chores that they do as kids should have. But as far as the work in the shop and miniature related, it's a really fun way for them to earn a little bit of money. So they actually get paid. Tristan folds all my boxes that I ship with. If I need boxes, I tell him to fold 10 of what size and he'll get them folded and he's so fast. He'll take him one minute to fold 10 boxes. Well, and it teaches them to, you know, some good quality. It does. So let's talk about your business. So it's stuartdollhousecreations.com. I was looking at the website and wow, you have a lot on there. So you work in three different scales too. Mm -hmm. So what would you say is your, I guess your most favorite to work in or do you have a that's really difficult. I would absolutely 10 years ago said one inch and one inch scale, which is one twelfth, is still by far the easiest to add detail, especially on the clay things when I'm working with the clay and doing the cakes and cupcakes and cookies and stuff. But there is a special place in my heart for quarter inch and half inch is growing on me. It's, it's a fun size to be able to add more detail but it's still not very big and it, it sometimes it's really hard I'll go from one inch cakes and then have to bop over and work on quarter and it feels so tiny or if I go back to one inch it's so big it just you know it's it depends on what I'm working on on the day but probably I would say boy uh, our quarter inch side of it is definitely grown. Um, we've been adding a huge amount of half inch lately. So we're trying to cater to more of the half inch people out there. Um, but as far as the clay stuff, one inch probably is still my favorite, but the quarter inch, there's a lot of determination to get as much detail into that as I possibly can. So I really do have a lot of fun with the quarter inch as well. Yeah, I would think it would be really hard to switch back and forth, especially if you're making the same cakes at the same time. I I don't know. It, it would rattle be. my brain a little, I think. <laughs> so you have card kits. Um, can you explain a little bit about those? So it's a card and inside is a, something that you laser cut. Right. Yep. So those are a brand new product that we designed called kit cards. And they are a greeting card that you can send to a friend and in the inside there's always going to be some sort of kit and right now they are laser cut kits um, different mediums um, like our first first one that we introduced was the merry cabin christmas and that one has papers in the inside that were layered into a frame to make a frame that you could either um, hang on your Christmas tree as an ornament or it was a one twelfth scale that you could actually put in your dollhouse. Oh, cool. So the whole point of those was actually to try to get non-miniaturists involved by allowing miniaturists to find something fun that they love to send to their friends and something that is easy enough for their friends to put together that they're not intimidated by it being a miniature item. Yeah. So that was kind of our goal with that is to try to get more people to understand and realize what miniatures are, but to try to cater to the general population with something that can be used outside of miniatures. That is so cool. So you have one for like every holiday, like birthdays or? 
Yep, they're brand new and we just introduced them at Christmas time so that we will be coming out with all the holiday ones. We just came out with the Valentine's Day one about two weeks before Valentine's Day and that one was called Tread Softly and it's a staircase that is a 112th scale staircase that you can display miniatures on or anything that you collect really and it can hang on your wall or it can sit on your tabletop. So it's, yeah. it's to use what, for whatever you want, but it's kind of a fun thing to just display whatever you collect because most of us collect something, even yeah. if it's not miniatures, we collect something. So we will be coming out with new ones in the future for the holidays. We'll be coming out with birthday ones, um, get well ones, thinking of you, just for trying to come up with any occasion that we think it'd be fun to mail a card. Yeah, and the shipping would be cheaper because it's flat and such a great idea. So yeah. how do you how do you come up with all your inspiration, your ideas? Well, that is that's interesting because normally when we do come up with those, we are so busy, even though we work together in the same shop, in the same house, we're so busy. Sometimes we can go all day without talking much to each other, which is funny that it works that way, but it can happen. So a lot of times when we were doing the shows and stuff, a lot of our inspiration actually came from our trips. We would travel, we actually had time to sit down and talk about new ideas, or we'd go camping. And we, um, like a good example is the um, cherry pie shop that we designed a few years ago, that was inspired by being in Glacier Park and driving by a huckleberry pie stand. Okay. And that's where we came up with that idea. And so, you know, a lot of travel inspires ideas. Um, and sometimes we're just sitting on the couch at night and talking and all of a sudden something comes to us. So it really, it, it takes conversation though. Yeah. It, a lot of it is from just the two of us discussing different aspects or ideas and maybe one of the other saying, ah, I don't know about that. And then the other one saying, oh, but what about this? And all of a sudden it becomes a really good idea. So it, it really is kind of just bouncing things off each other. You're so and fortunate kids, to have that though, like to have your husband and yeah. something that you yep. can bounce ideas off to. That's so cool. And the kids actually, it's kind of funny, they're really getting involved in that aspect of it. When Dan and I are having a conversation, they love to jump in and start throwing their ideas around. And there has been a few things that we've done that have just been the kids' ideas. So do you do so, anything for kids, like kids for kids? We do. Um, we have... Sophia and Tristan both actually have their own kits that they design with Dan. And one of Sophia's has been a cat house and a dog house. And she has those in one inch and quarter inch. And she has um, other little kits like Sophia's Tea for Two that is a little um, tea set that you can paint. Um, Tristan has um, it's called Tristan's Winter Wonderland, and it's a little igloo with 3D printed penguins. And those kits, uh, tons of adults buy them because okay. they, Dan helps them and design them. So they're really good kits, but they're fun for kids too. So they sell them as round tables at the name events and they sell them at the shows and all the proceeds from those kits actually go back to the kids. Oh, that's cool. So it's kind of a fun way for them to make a little bit of money. And it's, it's actually a really neat way for kids to be inspired by them and want to make miniatures as well. And Sophia actually even taught a class on her cat and dog house online. She taught an online class to a couple kids on how to build it and make it and paint it. So cool. So you do have, that was my next question. You do have online classes also, right? So I do. What what yep. would you say out of all these things? So I guess I'll read off a few. You do food, you do the 3D printing, you also have supplies and lots of supplies. So you mm -hmm. really, your website has pretty much anything anyone could ever need to build a dollhouse or get education. <laughs> well, I try. Um, the supply side of it, I like to supply things that I use. So everything that I sell under supplies is stuff that I love and I use and then my students can use in some of the classes. Um, it's, it's only stuff I really, really like. And um, as far as the, the food side of it, I try to have 
so when I teach my classes, I try to have some supplies that they can purchase outside of the class stuff. Like the, right now, clay is really hard to get, polymer clay. Yeah. Um, a lot of the stores are sold out. The companies in Germany that make them are back ordered about three to four months. Is that because of COVID? It is. I think a lot of it is. I think you have a mixture of those factories that make the clay were shut down for a period of time. They got really behind because of that. And then you have the other aspect of we're all in lockdown and shutdown and we're all taking breaks from our jobs or we're working from home or we've been laid off. And in all those situations, people need something to do. Something to keep them going. And I think a lot of people are turning to crafts and a lot of that is clay based. I think that's why everything is sold out. So it has been a fight and a struggle to keep the clay in stock, but I have been doing it. Oh, good. <laughs> so people can get some clay. What would you think is your most favorite part of your business? Do you like the online classes? Do you like the kits? Do you, what's your. Um, okay. So that is. That is such a hard thing to answer. Um, definitely for me, it's probably the social aspect. I love, love being able to see people, to talk to people. And before COVID hit, that I was satisfied in that area by doing the shows. We did a lot of shows, attended a lot, sold it a lot, taught it a lot. And right now, because of lockdown and you know, being in quarantine and not being able to go to shows. Right now for me, the classes have really been keeping me going. I have been loving them. I have been able to have students that have been wanting to take classes from me for years, have been able to attend them online, mm -hmm. which has made me really happy because a lot of these people couldn't take Friday classes because they worked. Mm -hmm. So now they can attend them online. Um, now, as far as my creativity side of it, for me, that's sitting down and making cakes. I adore that side of it. I love being creative. I love coming up with new designs, um, just coming up with new ideas. Um, I did the, uh, for Christmas time, I came out with the evergreen line of cakes, which was a new kind of a Christmas tree mm -hmm. style that was really simple, but kind of elegant. And I've really been having fun with those. It, every holiday that comes up, it inspires me to make new designs for cakes for the holidays. And I don't ever get as much time to make cakes as I want, but I'm really happy and satisfied when I take the time to sit down and, and work on them. It's really fun. And I think in a lot of ways, the orders coming in forces me to do that. When I get cake orders that come in, if I feel like I'm busy, I need to get stuff packaged. It really does force me to sit down and take that time to work with the clay, which is definitely my first love of miniatures. I love um, that line of cakes that you made. They were beautiful. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed them. They were just fun and something new. And I get really excited when I come up with new stuff. And um, let's see, the packaging side is a whole nother area that makes me happy. Oh, <laughs> I know that's crazy, yeah, every, but I know it. a lot of people hate it, but I love it. I love sitting down and packaging and I turn on the TV and just watch my favorite shows and package. And it's, for me, it's really relaxing. I really, really do enjoy it. Do you design your own packaging? Um, yep, we do. Uh, in the very beginning, we did a lot of um, like header packaging that we attached to zip bags. Now we do a lot of packaging that just, just goes inside of a bag and the packaging is all on the directions. And I do design all of that side of it. Okay. So I do all the directions and all the packaging as far as the paperwork that goes in stuff. That's all me now. Dan used to do that early on, but as I've gotten better at computers and understand the programs for directions and all that fun stuff, and that is my most hated thing. I feel directions. like you're a jack of all traits. Is that what they say? <laughs> the same? Yes, that is what they say. And yes, that's probably very true. I think being in the middle of the Montana prairie out on a ranch, you just, you've learned that. And that's what I tell the kids every day. You know, when we go in to cook and we're out of something, it's like, well, what, what can we substitute? Because we're not running to the grocery store. 
So if we need buttermilk, we make the buttermilk. We, you know, if we need to substitute something, we figure it out. If we forgot to buy something at the store for a recipe, we just either go without or we substitute. So I we're actually, learning a lot about that. was thinking about that before, because I guess I take for granted that I live like five minutes from Hobby Lobby. So for mm -hmm. you, like when you run out of a supply, that's hard. You get, you're an hour away from anything. That's, yeah, that's usually a minimum four hour trip. Yeah. And oh. The funny thing is, is when the mail was actually working well, it's it's not right now, and we're hoping that it speeds up here eventually, but it was actually faster to get toilet paper from Amazon shipped in than it is to go to town and get toilet paper. Yeah, that's pretty sad. <laughs> so, yeah, I wanted to one is. more question about your online classes. So do you, do, is this a Zoom um, structure? Or how do you? It is. Okay. Yep. I actually, every online class that I do, I have a Friday test meeting that anyone is invited to come to that may be new to Zoom, that may have not used Zoom before, just so they can get a little bit comfortable with it the night before. And then I usually hold most of the classes Saturday mornings all day. And I, it's all recorded through Zoom. Um, I have an iCloud account through Zoom that it goes into the cloud. And then Dan will take that video and edit the lunch hour out. So we edit the lunch hour out and then we just edit the first 15 minutes in the beginning when everyone's getting logged on and then the tail end of it. And then he'll put a title screen on it and everyone that takes my classes gets that video at the end. Okay. So within a few days of taking class, I, I email them the video link. Okay. And then if they miss it or if there's something they want to go back and review, they can go back and watch it. And a lot of my students go back and watch them. It always surprises me, but they do. I think that they really want to learn certain aspects that I'm teaching mm -hmm. them. And so they'll go back and review the videos. Okay, that is so cool. I'll have to look into that. So talk a little bit about, so why don't you do shows anymore? Is it because of COVID or are you yep, gonna yep. pick it up? All the shows are shut down, every single one of yeah, them. Okay. Um, even the stuff this summer that was pretty much scheduled has been rescheduled for the fall. Um, I know there's a lot of hopes that by fall, a couple of them will start up. I know Dallas, Texas really wants to get going. Um, Good Sam in Philadelphia, those three are scheduled for the fall. Um, I know that hopefully the majority of the population will be vaccinated by then. I don't know if I'll have one by then or not, just because I'm in the younger category, which in Montana, that's about 50% of our vaccinations is going to be 65 and under. And so it could take several months to possibly get one, but we're just going to have to play it by ear. I don't know if I'll be attending the shows this fall, but come next spring, we will definitely start them back up. So you um, drive to all these then? No, we don't. Oh. Um, when I do the Denver show, I drive to that one. I do drive to Good Sam just because we enjoy the trip and we had relatives down there that we see so we wanted our own vehicle and stuff um but pretty much everything else we fly to oh so you're just shipping you're shipping all your creations to sell and no we take it on the plane oh. um so we had been flying and some of this may change after covid just because now our sky miles are all messed up because we haven't been flying and but before we flew so much we had platinum status, so that allowed us to have three suitcases per person at 70 pounds. Oh, wow. So, like, when we would go and do a national or we'd go to do Chicago, we'd have 10 bags full of one would be clothes and the rest would be miniatures. So wow. I'm actually going to Nashville lot. this weekend, um, just like a fun trip, but yeah, one bag, $50. So I... <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, ours are actually because of our status were included in the ticket price and we fly with the kids. So that does give us four spots to have the bags okay. and we could have up to 12 bags. But some of that is going to change because now I don't know, you know, we're not going to start up with that kind of setup that we had this last time, you know, before COVID hit because mm -hmm. we won't be doing quite as many shows. I think there's a possibility some of the shows may not come back. It just depends, you know, it depends financially what they can do and how they're going to be able to come back and handle the slowdown. I would feel so nervous that it would get like wrecked. 
are you know ruined in the the way they handle in the plane. Like, yeah, the way they handle everything. I have trunks that I actually put it in, and everything is wrapped in saran wrap inside the trunks. And the biggest problem is if they're searched, that's where I get the damage. I actually don't have a lot of damage if they're not searched. Okay. Um, and then they can throw those things around as much as they want, and most of the time everything's okay. Wow. Believe it or not, so but cool. the cakes and stuff, I actually hand take those in my luggage on the carry-ons. I, I take those with me. I protect them. <laughs> what is your favorite show? So, oh, that's hard. That's so hard. Um, I would have to say probably Chicago International because it is three days of just nonstop. And I love that. I do love that. Um, it is just go, 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 go for three solid days. You do and classes there? I do. I normally yeah. teach before the show starts on Friday. And then the show is all day Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Okay. So. Yeah, I'm actually going this year. So will you be there in July? Um, I don't, I don't honestly know if he's going to have it in July mm -hmm. and probably not. If he does hold it in July, I probably won't be there because I don't honestly think I'm going to be vaccinated by then. Okay. I think it's going to be later in the summer when I'm going to be able to get a vaccine and I'm not going to fly until I'm vaccinated. So there is a chance so. that he'll cancel it again or postpone it or? Well, I think for, for Tom, you mean? Yeah. Um, it is possible that he could, if the hotels are having issues with being able to social distance and depending on his overseas dealers, I think a lot of it is going to have to do if he can't get the overseas people over here, that's half his show. Okay. So I think a lot of that's going to depend on whether they can fly. And right now the U.S. is banned. <laughs> no one's coming here and no one's going over there because we are so bad. Yeah. So our cases are so bad. It's just right now, nothing, nothing's traveling overseas much. Well, I'm hoping so, they can get back up and running. I'm hoping, I'm hoping to, um, but yeah, as far as Chicago, I just don't know. I know a lot of, uh, Dallas was the next one. Chicago was scheduled for, I think, like you said, July, Dallas was June, Dallas already rescheduled for the fall. So I just don't know. Okay. And I think a lot of people are going to be leery traveling right now until a lot of people are vaccinated you know because even if you're vaccinated and you fly somewhere you still got to be really careful until the majority of the population gets their vaccines yeah well so. let's yeah we can only hope that it'll open back up soon yes yes patience is what we're all working on this year <laughs> lots of I patience just, i just have two more things i really want to know about um your personal con collection can you just tell us is it What's your personal collection like? Is it huge? You just have a few favorites that you have? Or? Well, that's a very good question. And it's changed as I've, as I've gotten a little bit older, as I've changed my perspective in the very early beginning of when I started making miniatures, I made everything and I didn't really collect a lot. I didn't, um, part of it I think was feeling guilty about spending the money on it, which I know is silly and kind of ridiculous, but it, there was the guilt there, you know, as a young mom, I had little kids. Um, there was, you know, I just didn't know really what I wanted to collect maybe in a way too. Um, I did collect some food though, because I was crazy about some of the there's an amazing Italian woman that goes to Chicago that does beautiful foods. And so I do have a soft spot to collect food. Um, then I started, I think a lot of it for me in a way was not really having the time to shop. Um, and that has changed a little bit more as my husband, Dan, has helped me behind the table a little bit more. And the kids have been helping a little bit too. And if I have time to go take breaks, I find plenty that I want to buy. And yeah, so <laughs> I've, there's a Japanese woman that does the most beautiful fish tanks. I have one of hers that I just covet and it's so beautiful. And I mean, some of the Japanese artisans are just phenomenal. 
in the details that they can produce. And so I do have, I don't have any big structures or anything that I've purchased, but as far as my collection, it's a lot of tiny little things that I just haven't put anywhere. I haven't decided what to do with. They just sit on a shelf and look beautiful. That's probably because you're so I busy. I think that's with, okay. <laughs> you're so busy with everything else. Yes. So that kind of goes into my next question about, so you're probably a mentor, I'm sure, to many other miniaturists. Who do you look up to in the miniature world? Do you have any mentors or people that you idolize? Oh, I, that is, that is really hard. Um, it took me a lot of years to learn who people were, to learn you know, names and faces, because I was really new to it when a lot of women were in their 60s and 70s when I entered. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't a lot of young people, and there still isn't a huge amount of young people. And I think, honestly, one of my biggest mentors was probably Debbie Young. She really inspired me to really go into quarter inch. That's the only reason I started doing quarter inch was because she pushed me and pushed me and pushed me and kept telling me every show she'd see me at, you can do it. You can make quarter inch cakes. And I'm like, no, I can't. She's like, yep, you can. And she was right. So I definitely think she was a big mentor in, you know, pushing me to where I am. And, you know, along the way, we have made such amazing friends and we have you know, in Montana, I don't have a lot of friends that I'm close to or that I can even see because we're such long distances apart. And some of these miniatures friends, I see more than my friends at home, <laughs> you know, especially when we were doing the circuit and doing 12 shows a year. So that's, you know, it's the miniature community is my family. There's a lot of people that I love and a lot of customers that I'm very that are very dear to my heart and I get to see at the shows and I, you know, I'm so excited to be doing on the online classes because I'm still keeping in touch with them. I can still see them and talk to them. And it's just, it's, it's the next best thing to see them in person. Yeah. Well, and kudos I'm very, very you. grateful for zoom. Yeah. Kudos to you for like getting online classes up and running because that was a huge, you know, if you've never done it before, it's a huge thing to learn. Well, I actually had done one online class six years ago, and I know it's it was a long time ago. It was a one-off. I did it through Google before Zoom was, I don't even know if Zoom was around six years ago, but I did it through a Google service, and it was really fun, and I always meant to keep it going, but then I got so entrenched in doing the classes at the shows to try to do one at home when I was traveling to 12 shows a year was just impossible, yeah. so I... I'm really, I think this time has caused Dan and I to sit back and really reevaluate how we're going to do our shows in the future, how we're going to split our time and divide our time and what we're going to do with the online classes. And I definitely, definitely am going to still keep the online classes going. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, I really, really enjoy them. I do agree. It's those people who can't get to the show. Maybe you live so far from Chicago or Denver or Dallas that having an yep. online, it means anyone in the world can come to you. Absolutely. In the last class I taught, we actually had a lady from England that oh. joined us and it was really fun. And she lasted till about 11 o'clock PM her time. <laughs> but all day, do you mean like you start at 9 AM and it goes till night? No, for her, she's seven hours ahead in England. So she didn't start till about three in the afternoon, her oh. time, even though it was eight o'clock our time here in the morning. Okay. So she lasted till about 11 PM her time, which was about, I think about three here. Okay. So That's she still did pretty a long, good. A long class. They must, you know, there's so much that. Yeah, we usually, we start at eight in the morning and then we break around 11 o'clock my time because I try to consider that we've got our East Coasters, it'd be one o'clock and then over in California, since I'm in mountain time, they're going to be at 10 o'clock when we break for lunch, but they started a little earlier. So I try to keep a happy medium for lunchtime and then we take an hour and come back and then we work till most of the time, four or five in the evening. Wow. Okay. So it's well, a whole I'm day. Excited. I'm going to take one of your classes here soon. Excited. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, the last thing I want to talk about is just name. So that's um, mm -hmm. the National Associate, Associate of Miniatures Enthusiasts. Can you talk a little bit about that? And I know you're really involved in that group. 
Yep, NAME is an organization that is, it's like a big miniature club. And there is membership dues, um, but the advantages for the membership dues is you do get a Gazette magazine that's a miniature magazine that's sent out uh, every other month. So there's six issues a year. And there's fun advantages to being a name member. There's clubs you can join. There's special make it kits that you can purchase that are just available to name members. There's um, discounts. Uh, name has made a new website called the Create Site and some online classes are taught through there. And as a name member, you get a discount with that. So there's lots of fun little things about name that definitely pull the miniaturists together into one group. And I think a lot of my friend base that I know and associate with are almost all of them are miniature name members. And a lot of why I'm so involved probably did stem from name. It it they're very good at roping you in. <laughs> and once they get you hooked, you're you're pretty hooked. But um I definitely think organizations like IGMA and NAME are very important because it is a good way to spread the word about miniatures. It's a good way to keep our hobby alive. And I think those things are really important. Mm -hmm. um, but I also know that sometimes, you know, people can be dissuaded by membership dues, um, politics, you know, anything like that that goes along with having a group of people. Um, I am on the name board of trustees and I'm the fundraising liaison and I really do enjoy that part of my job. Um, so I do I like the make it's kits that we offer through name. I organize those and set those up and any other fundraisers that we do um, like when we have our national conventions and house parties, we'll have galas and things, and I usually organize those. So, yeah, it's it's really fun. I really enjoy that part of it. I I really don't mind that. So it's just but the U.S., right? No, nope. There's um, international members as well. Okay. And their gazettes take a little longer to get to them, but we actually do have international members. We have people in England, we have people in South Africa, Germany. Oh, wow. um, we have, yep, they're from, and there's not a lot of overseas people, but there's, there's still some. And it is mainly consists of U.S. members, but we do have some overseas people that we love and adore and are very excited to see them when they can make it over. And a lot of them do come over for the house parties and conventions. I want to go to a house party. Sounds fun. And they are like, a lot of fun. All miniatures, like-minded people. Sounds fun. Yep. Uh, this is probably a hard question, but do you know how many members you have? Um, there's about 3,000 members. Okay. So it has, you know, it's one of those things that you have, there used to be more members involved, but it's a older population. And so sometimes we lose them and that's really sad when that happens. But I think that name is working really hard on trying to bring in new members and, you know, people that are younger and trying to get people inspired to join. But sometimes that can be really hard too in our day and age, because a lot of people have the online social media, so they don't know why they should join an organization. Yeah. Um, and the way I look at it for a general member due, it's $50 in the way I look at it is you know, that's $50 that you're paying to try to support miniatures. Mm -hmm. That's 10 lattes out of your year. Yeah. I, I measure everything in coffee. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, all lattes to me. So it's, it's true though about the younger generation, because I'm even involved in community projects and it's all older people. Well, yep. yeah, I say like my generation, but you know, um, it's harder to get those younger kids to. I think that our parents' generation you know, they really understood the essence and the importance of community. And I think that, you know, even if you look at the state fairs, those are dying because I think a lot of our younger people don't want to carry on those aspects of feeling like a community. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really sad. I think that the, I think the younger generation, their community is online. Yeah. And I think sadly, there's a lot that's lost in that. It can be wonderful to meet new people, but there is a sense of camaraderie that you lose. You don't, you don't have the same dedication 
to those people, I would think as, as you would if you knew them and you actually met them and you sat down and ate with them and you talked to them and you gave them hugs and you had conversations and you stayed at their homes. And, you know, that's the sense of community that I think is really important. And I think that slowly that is dying out. Yeah. And I, that does make me sad. Yeah, we just joined 4-H too, and there's hardly any families in that, even in 4-H used to be huge when I was growing up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, in Montana, that used to be a massive, massive thing, and now it seems like the 4-H is dying along with the state fairs. You know, it's, you can't hardly get anyone that enters anything in the state fairs anymore. It's, it's really sad, and I hate to see that side slowly dwindle. Well, not to end on a bummer note, but <laughs> no. no, yeah, I totally understand what you mean. Cause yeah, the online for sure takes over. Well, again, thank you for meeting with me today. I, I loved our conversation and I'll put all your information so people can find you in the description of my podcast so they can make sure okay. to check out like your website. Cause there's so much on there. You could spend hours on there. I have a hard time removing anything because I think, well, what if someone wants to buy that? And, you know, because there's a lot of kits that we probably could remove that were older, but I still sell them. <laughs> so yeah, we're always adding new things. We've got a whole bunch more quarter inch and half inch coming out here soon. Um, one thing about being home and we'll end on a happy note okay. is we're trying to look on the bright side of everything. And this has given us a ton of time to get all the things done that we've had in the works for two to three years that we just didn't have time to do. So I think that's why people are seeing a lot of new stuff coming out is we're excited. So we'll just have to find that happy medium now when we go back to the show circuit to try to decide what shows we'll do and what time we're going to spend at home still making our new stuff because it makes us happy. Yeah. I was going to say 12 shows is you think you'll still do 12? No, 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 I don't. Nope. No, I think there's, it's, it's going to slow down just because, you know, it's going to take a little bit of time to kind of get back into it. And we really are enjoying the time at home to be able to produce and make new things. Yeah. So I think we're just going to have to find our happy medium. You know, once you're in a situation, it's hard to say no. So once you're in that groove, it's hard to stop. But now that you had to do a full cold stop, yeah. it's it's going to be a little easier going back into it saying no no this is what we need to prioritize so that is what we'll be doing and someday my dream is to see your um, creative space because I'm sure it's just wow amazing I'm well, sure one you of these times <laughs> I do and one of these days I'll have to go through and do another video of the shop I did one early on when we built oh, it think? and kind of got things a little bit set up I did a tour I have a video tour um, but I'll have to do it again sometime the problem is I keep saying it's going to happen when I get it cleaned up it's mm -hmm. never clean and I look at this shop and I'm like how could I have stuffed all this crap in the house and yeah, I'm not sure how it made it in the house, but it's, it's now not in the house and I'm much happier house cleaner now. Well, does any creative before. person ever have a tidy space? I mean, once you get in the flow, you, I don't think so. Oh, I think yeah. if your space is tidy, then you're not doing it right. Mm -hmm. You're just not doing it right. It needs to be messy. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you again for meeting with me. You Absolutely. Thank you for having me and yep. Stay safe. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.